Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right. This is week three in a message series called Recalculating. And we've been talking a little bit about what it feels like when you get lost. Um, and, and, and I've asked you guys who are younger to kind of go with me a little bit, because some of you guys grew up in an age where GPS has just always been around. Uh, we who are a little older remember what it was like to just be lost, to not know where we were. And last week, um, we were talking about this, the congregation kind of threw me a curveball. This, uh, this was interesting. I, uh, you know, usually I try to predict how you guys are going to react to what I say. Um, you know, once in a while, some of you guys have asked me, uh, you know, how, how do you prepare your messages? How do you, you know, how, how does it work when you, you're prepping? I write my messages months in advance, and during the week, I come in here and I preach to an empty room. I practice my transitions, so I'm, I'm ready for you guys on Sunday, and, and I preach to an empty room. And when I say things, I always imagine how you will all react to what I'm saying. So there are times I anticipate, and I'm, so most of the time I'm right, but once in a while I think I'm, I'm, I say something funny and there's like crickets. And then other times, so last week I asked, last week uh, I asked everybody, you know, if, you're, if you get lost, like if you truly get lost and you end up, like you don't know where you are and you don't know how to get back on track, I, I said, you know, uh, you, don't, you don't pull over to the side of the road and cry, do you? Like, do you pull over to the side of the road and just, just like start crying and give up? And like at every single service, like 10 people said, yes, that's exactly what I do. I pull over and I cry. So I'm like, all right, after you've had a good cry, you know, when you get lost, when you don't know where you are, when you get turned around, you know, you, you, and getting lost is it's not that complicated. I mean, you started here, you wanted to go here, but you ended up out here. And you don't know how you got here, but you're out there. When you get lost, eventually, you get yourself back on track. If you get lost, you don't just go, well, I guess I live here now. If you get lost, you don't just give up, pull over, and go, I guess this is it. I guess this is my new reality. I guess this is where I live. I guess this is what I do. You don't do that. I mean, after you have a good, good cry, you get yourself back on track. You get back to where you wanted to be. But when people get lost financially, when you start here and you want to go here, but you end up way out here, right? You're way out here, and now you're, now you're, you're living your life, and you're like, I have way more debt than I ever wanted to have. I don't have nearly as much saved as I wanted to have. I, I, I've got all these bills. There's all this pressure. It's constantly, constantly like weighing me down, and I don't know how to get back on track. A lot of people, when they end up in that situation, they just give up and say, ah, I guess I live here now. I guess this is it. I guess I'm just always going to be lost. And what we've been trying to do with this message series is say you don't have to give in to despair. There's a way to get back on track. We can do a little bit of recalculating. But what's gonna, what it's going to take is a bit of a mental shift. We're going to have to examine some of the wrong turns we made. And there's a bad set of directions that a lot of Americans are operating under right now. There's like some, a couple of things in particular that, that are getting people lost. Two things in particular that we identified last week. Two concepts that most people have just sort of swallowed wholesale. One, it's all for me. And two, it's all for right now. It's all for me and it's all for right now. And what we've kind of been examining is that some of what you have was meant 
for others. Some of what you have was meant to be a blessing to other people, and some of what you have was meant for you for a later date. Some of what you have was meant to, to be for you uh, later on down the line for yourself. So I want to introduce to you guys kind of a different kind of a question. Another, a question that some of you have never asked yourselves, right? And this question is a game changer. Here's the question. Why do I have so much? Why do I have so much? Most of us never ask that question because we're always laser focused on what we don't have. We're always looking at what we don't yet have. We're always trying to figure out how to get the next thing, how to pull off that next upgrade, how to get to that next plateau. So that question, why do I have so, it's, it's just a question most people don't ask. But if you start asking that, that question, it's going to change the way you think about things. And the reason it's going to change the way you think about things is because before long you're going to realize you actually have more than you need. We have more than we need. You guys with me on this? We have more than we need. We do. You just do. It's the truth. It's been a while since I actually did the math. Uh, last time I, I talked to you guys about this, it's been a few years. So if you're new or newer to our church, you may never have heard this. But I, I don't know if you're aware, but currently, if you have a minimum wage job in New York, working full-time, or just under full-time, you are in the top 10% of the world's wealthy. Now, that was what I said to you guys the last time I, I spoke on this. I actually did some more research and did the math, and because of what's happened with kind of the global economy, now, currently, if you have a minimum wage job working just under full-time in New York, you are currently in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. You just went up like 5%. I mean, celebrate that. Okay, this is the thing. Yeah, you're not celebrating that. You're not caring about that because you're not looking at the 95% of people who don't earn as much as you. You're not looking at like the billions, billions with a B of people on this planet that live in abject poverty. You and I are only focused on the 5% of people that are north of us on the scale. Yes? That's a yes, church. Yeah, we're focused on what we don't have. We're looking at everybody who's up the ladder from us. We're focused on what we, we haven't yet gotten and what we're trying to get to. And we forget, like, we're blessed. So if we start asking a different question, why do I have so much? What's the point of this? What is my life about? What am I living for? You start asking some questions like that, you're going to start seeing things differently. Now, as we dive into this stuff, you've heard us talk about prioritizing generosity. And that's not about getting money from you. Right? Jesus never took an offering. Uh, Jesus didn't want something from people. He wanted something for people. We're not here to ask. We, we don't take an offering anymore. We just say, listen, if you want to give, you figure it out. You know, COVID killed the offering plate. We don't do that anymore. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're new to the church, there's no sucker punch coming. There's no ask coming. This is just a challenge to you to think about how you're living because if you're not living generously, you're leaving something very valuable on the table in this negotiation. Let's talk business for a minute, yeah? If this is a negotiation, if this is how you're going to spend your time and money and what you're going to get in return for your time and money, you're leaving something really valuable on the table in the negotiation. Some of you 
focusing on it's all for me and it's all for right now. When you spend money on you, it just, it, you don't enjoy it. Like, wouldn't it be nice, come on, go with me if you're, if you're kind of under financial pressure. Wouldn't it be nice to spend some money on yourself and not have it, and, and just be able to do that freely and really enjoy it with no guilt? Some of you are not able to do that. Because when, even when you do indulge, even when you go, wow, I'm in debt anyway, I may as well. Even when you indulge yourself and get something for yourself and buy something for yourself, you're struggling with guilt because you know you're not prioritizing generosity. For, you're not blessing anybody else. And you know you're not saving for your own future. So even when you spend on you, it's not something you can really treasure and relish. Like, wouldn't it be a better model if, and wouldn't it be cool if when you spent money on yourself, which is something you're supposed to do, by the way, from time to time, don't, don't, like, like, just once in a while I wonder what you all think of me, like, in terms of, like, how I operate. I'm just as materialistic as you guys are. I like stuff just as much as you, you know. I, I'm in the same boat. But, like, my deal is, and I've learned this a long time ago, if I prioritize generosity and I save a little bit for my own future, then when I spend something on myself, I can go, man, I've prioritized God, I've honored God, I'm, doing, I'm being responsible with my funds, and now when I buy this thing, I'm just going to enjoy it like to death. I'm going to love this and, and, and do it with, with no guilt and just be free about it. And that's what God intends for you. As Jesus talked about finances with people. He wasn't trying to get something from them. He wanted something for them. He wanted for them to enjoy God's blessings without guilt and without feeling awful about things. And to do that, we need to start living a little differently. Now, to, to illustrate that, Jesus uh, told a parable. So there's this dude that comes up to, to Jesus and shouts something at him from embedded within a crowd, which is what we're going to look at today. This is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd. Someone called from the crowd. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Okay, so Jesus is walking along, and somebody lobs this at him from a crowd. Like somebody embedded within a crowd says, teacher, they would have said, rabbi, rabbi, tell my brother to share our father's estate with me. Now the reason this anonymous young man was saying that was because in the first century, when the patriarch of the family died, like when the dad of the family died, the entire estate, 
All of the money, all of the land, everything went to the oldest son. All of it. Now, that's not fair, that's silly, that's crazy. It's just how it worked back then. Don't try to superimpose our understanding of how a family ought to work into something 2,000 years ago in another culture. That's just how it was. With me? Anybody with me? Great, just checking. Okay, so, <coughs> crickets out there. Um, so, in this guy's case, his father has died and his older brother now got everything. So this is the younger brother. And you, if you're in that situation, if you're the younger brother, if you're son number two, three, four, or five, or if you're the, even if you're the oldest person in the family, if you're a female, you're not getting anything. The oldest son is the one who gets everything. And in theory, what's supposed to happen is the oldest son is supposed to assume the role of the patriarch, and he now is supposed to care for the entire family and provide for the entire family. That's the thinking behind it. But you know and I know that sometimes things with our brothers and sisters aren't always that great, yeah? Anybody here have a brother or sister who's just a real piece of work? Yeah, you do, right? Some of you do. Some of you have somebody like that in this room. It's awkward. So, If you're in that situation and your older brother is greedy or your older brother is difficult or your older brother isn't doing right by you, it can feel really tough. So this guy is shouting at Jesus from the crowd, hey, rabbi, make my brother share our father's inheritance. In other words, he's being greedy. Now Jesus does two interesting things here. The first thing he does is he goes, <laughs> whoa, I'm not jumping into your family drama, bro. Not happening. Who appointed me to be a judge over these things for you? I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. But, and then he does something really, really curious. Did you catch that? Look what he does. He cautions the guy. He says, beware of greed. Your life does not consist of all the things that you possess. In other words, everybody expected Jesus to throw these curveballs at people. Everybody expected Jesus to go, yeah, that's terrible. Bring him here. Bring him over here so I can have a word with him. I'll warn him about being greedy. He's got to share. He doesn't do that. He talks to the guy, the dude who asked the question. Oh, bring, you, you, you want me to bring your brother? Let's talk about you for a minute. Beware of greed. Watch out for that. Your life doesn't consist of all the things you possess. And then he tells a story, breaks down a little parable for everybody. Once again, confuses people to death, but this is what he does, what Jesus does. Once upon a time, there was a rich man whose farm produced a massive crop. And the guy had a problem. This is a pretty big, significant problem. The guy's barns aren't big enough to hold all the food that his farm has, has, has produced. He says, yeah, this, this, is, this is a problem. This is tough. What am I going to do? And then he goes, I know. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger barns to hold all my stuff. That's a better idea. Then I'll have my problem solved, and I'll be able to sit back and eat, drink, and be merry. I'll say to myself, my, my friend, you've got it all settled. Put your feet up and, and just, just kick back and, and live. Now, I don't know about you, that sounds pretty good to me. Can anybody else relate? Like, the rich guy, come, come with me for a minute. The rich guy in this analogy is the guy we're all trying to be like. That's the American dream. I have so much, I don't have room for it. I got to go get a storage unit to hold all the rest of my stuff. 
I need a second house to hold all my furniture. My 401k is so big. My bank account is so, so big. These banks are failing today, man. The FDIC only insures $250,000. i am going to need multiple banks to hold all my money. Everybody with me? That's, come on, wouldn't you like for that to be your problem? Yeah, you would. Yeah. You know what my problem is? I just have so much, I don't have any place to keep it. That's my problem. That would be a nice problem. That's the guy we're all trying to be like. And what does God say to the guy in the analogy? God says to him, you fool. Now look at, and pay attention because this is an important point. The guy in the analogy is not a fool because he's rich. He's a fool because he doesn't know why he's rich. He's not a fool because he has extra. He's a fool because he thinks all the extra is for him. And he's got this life where he's like, I'll just build bigger barns. I'll store even more stuff. And he's not, he's not, under, he's not giving glory to God. He's not, he's not thankful for what he has. He's, he's a rich man. Why? He's a farmer, isn't he? Isn't that what he does? He's a farmer. And what produced the crops? The farm did. What produced the crops? The land did. How many of you guys know that farmers work real hard? Yeah. One farmer in the room. What's up? Good to have you. <clears throat> Most of us aren't farmers. Maybe you have a hobby farm. Maybe you grow the, the you know, you got, you got the tomatoes and the cucumbers and the zucchini, and every August all your neighbors get hooked up. Maybe you're that guy, yeah? Cool. Rock on, love it. But most of us have never tried our hand at commercial farming. Now, in most work venues, if you put in the work, you see results. Most of the time, in most venues across the board, not, there are exceptions, but most of the time, if you put in the work, you see the results. For farmers, it's a different ball field. Farmers are dependent on what? The weather, the rain. They're dependent on the rain. So there's, there are often times and seasons, I mean, imagine this, your ability to put food on the table for your family, your ability to provide, your very livelihood depends on the weather. Anybody here ever just like been dependent on the weather like for, for an event? A couple of you for a small thing? I'm in that boat. I'm getting married in a couple months, you know? Excited? Yeah. Psyched. You know? Small. Haven't talked about it in a while. Very excited. You know, small, it's going to be a small ceremony on the beach. Immediate family only. None of you are invited. So that's what's up. <laughs> I love you, but I can't. All of it would be, you guys would ruin it. So uh, we're, um, small ceremony. And you know what? When people, hey, we're going to do a little thing on the beach. You know what everybody says? Oh, I hope you have good weather. And us too. We're hoping for good weather. But the truth is, if the weather's not good, we're still going to be able to get married. Imagine a world where your ability to be able to provide for your family depends on the weather. This guy worked hard, sure he did, but he had advantages, he had help. The ground produced the crop, the weather cooperated. There were other things that helped him to get to where he is, and he's not thinking about any of that. He's not grateful, he's not playing the part God gave him to play. He could bless so many people just with his extra. He wouldn't even have to sacrifice anything for him. He's got so much, he'll never be able to use it all. He could bless so many other people, and he's just thinking it's all for me, it's all for right now, which is why Jesus warns against greed. Be really, really careful about greed, he says. You know why? Because greed 
is like a vampire. It'll suck the life out of you, and you never, ever see it in the mirror. Greed will suck the life out of you, and you never, ever see it in the mirror. We're in our 18th year at True North. I've been the lead pastor of this church for God, by God's grace. I've been here for 18 years. Before that, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. So that's 28 years in full-time ministry. In my 28 years of full-time ministry, people have confessed all manner of things to me. I've heard people confess, like, you'd be amazed. I've heard, I've heard all, like, like things like theft, embezzlement, cheating. I've had, on two separate occasions, people have confessed murder to me. I've, I've had people, and, and we're not a Catholic church. I'm not talking about, like, like, through a confessional in a veil with anonymity. I mean, over coffee, eyeball to eyeball, I did this. I have never once, never once, in 28 years of full-time ministry, never once have I had a person sit across from me and go, you know what my problem is? I'm greedy. <laughs> you know why? Because you don't see greed in the mirror. You just don't. Nobody thinks that they're greedy. But we're so laser-focused on what we don't have that we think that every little bit that comes our way is for us. And it starts to feel like need, doesn't it? It feels like we just need it. And, and, and the truth is, and let's be honest, if you run your credit card bills up crazy enough, you can get to a point where every nickel that comes in is already committed to a, to a, to a, to a, a, a bill, to, to, to something that you owe. And then it feels like you need every single thing that comes in. And the truth is, that's an illusion that you yourself created. That's where that is. So if we're going to start playing the part that God gave us to play, if we're going to start living the way God called us to live, we're going to have to have a little bit of a perspective shift. We're going to have to realize we have more than we need, and some of what we have was meant to be a blessing to others. So, as we close up, I want to, I want to bring you back to your childhood for a minute, especially if you had a brother or a sister. Ponder a scene where you have two cookies and your little brother has none. Hear the voice of your mother or father speaking to you. Does your mother or father say, hey, you got two cookies, you better eat them quick before your brother gets his hand on one. <laughs> like cram them down your gullet fast. Because otherwise they're going to get one and you're going to have, you know, you only have two. Or does your mother or father say, share? Yeah, hey, you got two? Now when you're, when you're a kid, giving up a cookie ain't easy, yeah? I don't like giving up cookies now. We're going to get charismatic right now talking about cookies. That's where we're at. Okay, so, yeah. When it comes to sharing a cookie with your brother or sister, probably the gratification isn't that great. But I'm going to tell you now, team, if you're spending all of what you have on you, 
you're missing out on one of the best things in life. Blessing another person, blessing somebody else, helping somebody else when they're in need is one of the greatest things. If you do that, the whole rest of your life is going to be more enjoyable, more blessed. You're going to feel closer to God, and when God blesses you with other things and you get to enjoy those other things, you're going to enjoy them with freedom. This is what God wants for you. I know, I know, I know, I know. If you're new, you don't trust me. I say it every week when I talk about, we talk about stuff like this, but you don't trust me, you go give the money away somewhere else. That's okay. I happen to think True North is a good place to put your kingdom dollars, but I am a little biased. <laughs> so, as we move into our final week in this series, we're going to wrap this up next Sunday. I want you to start asking yourself a different question. Why do I have so much? Why am I as blessed as I am? Oh my gosh, look at all that I have. I'm going to start leveraging some of what I have to be a blessing to others. Because if you do, if you can prioritize generosity and honor God in this area of your life, you're going to see a whole new side to how all the rest of it works. And that's why Jesus talks the way he does and as often as he does about our finances. Because greed is something that sucks the life out of you and you never see it coming. It's just normal to live like it's all for you and all for right now. Those are the waters we swim in. But God's got more for you and you will love your life so much more if you operate the way the scriptures call us to. And we're going to wrap it up right from, we'll pick it up right from here and wrap it up uh, next Sunday. With that, let's close in prayer. Father, we love you, and we're grateful for the opportunity to gather in your house and hear from your word. And we just confess together that we, all of us, have wanted to be like the guy in the analogy. We've all wanted to be the guy that you say is a fool, and we don't. We don't want to be fools. We don't want to be foolish. We want to operate in wisdom. We want, to, we want to live the lives you're calling us to live. And we want to rejoice in the good things you've done in, with, and through us. And we, we're, we're learning, Father. We're a little slow, but we're learning that to do that, we're going to have to prioritize generosity and intentionally look to be a blessing to other people. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.